Hey guys, welcome to Obsessed. Think of us as your personal development entourage, all wrapped up into one podcast. If you're committed to your personal development and believe your life is meant for more, then get ready to learn the tools you need to elevate this experience called life. Get obsessed with your life, just like us. We are Tia, Tristan, Mika, and Julie, and we are obsessed with humans on the verge of change. Hi, I'm Tristan, and I'm obsessed with your emotional well-being. Hey all, this is Jules, and welcome to another episode of Obsessed. Today, I am talking about something I am so obsessed with that has changed the way I direct both my personal and professional lives. It is called the Enneagram. The Enneagram is a personal assessment that allows me to direct my conversations in a different way, allows me to really increase my emotional intelligence in terms of my relationships, and it helps me be a better coach because it clarifies who I am talking about. It helps me understand different motivations as well as why they do the things they do. So let's welcome renowned expert on the Enneagram, Aaron Slutsky, and the biggest fan of the Enneagram, who I may say is obsessed with it, Terry Bales. Thank you so much for holding space and talking about this one thing I am so passionate about. Let's go, girls. Get ready to take notes, and we will have links in the show notes to elaborate more on what the Enneagram is all about. Not only do we have Aaron, we have probably the most obsessed person in the United States. She is obsessed (laughs) with the Enneagram. Her name is Terry Bales, and we know she's got questions, and hopefully we can answer. Erin, welcome. Oh, Julie, so great to be here. I am so happy to see your smiling face and we kick off each episode with this question and I will have to ask Terry this as well. Erin, what are you obsessed with? I am obsessed with Journey, who is my three-year-old granddaughter. If there are any moms out there who are in the thick of it, grandchildren seem to be the reward for all that parenting you're doing. And she has just gotten into my heart and I eat her up every time I see her. So I'm obsessed with her. I can't talk enough about her. Um, And I love watching her grow and learn. And I can't wait to see who she becomes. Do you know what type journey is on the Enneagram? No. I don't think you. I don't believe. Yeah, I don't believe in typing children. Mm -hmm. Um, They have way too much growing to do. They have uh, lots of um, life experience to go through, and they tend to model who they live with, their parents or their caregivers. And so it's really not until your early twenties that you can come up with an accurate enneagram type. 
Oh, that's fascinating. Thank you. And you look far too young to be a grandmother, just a side note. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I am on the young side for grandmotherhood, um, which I love. And I think this is what, one reason why I'm enjoying it is because I'm in that season of life where my kids are starting to leave the nest and I get to focus a little bit more on myself and figure out who I am. And the Enneagram has really helped me. Um, I'm able to get down on the floor and play with her without, you know, aches and pains yet. <laughs> and um, I can just be myself around her. I love that. Thank you, Erin. And who is this mystery sidekick we have today? Her name is Terry Bales. Terry, what are you obsessed with? If I don't know the answer already. Oh, well, I for sure am obsessed with the Enneagram. Um, I was introduced to this through Julie almost two years ago, and it truly opened up my eyes to who I am a little bit deeper. And it started making things make sense, why I did things the way I did, the way I responded to things the way I did. And it made me so much more self-aware of my surroundings. I love that. No, that's so true. It does give that element or tool, if you will, in your wheelhouse to kind of dig deeper into why you do things and how you respond to things, which speaks to emotional intelligence as well and kind of opening up your, your skill set and understanding why you do the things you do. So, Erin, for our listeners who have no idea what we're talking about and are about ready to press stop and scroll to the next episode of Obsessed, tell them why we should be, we all as a collective should be obsessed with Enneagram and what is it at its core? Well, I think Terry hit on it. She has had her eyes opened and has become more self-aware of who she is, why she does the things that she does, why she thinks the thoughts that she thinks, and why she feels those feelings. Not only understanding yourself, but understanding other people. We see other people's behavior. We hear their words. We can sometimes sense their feelings, but we don't know where they're coming from, but we know they're different than us, and it just creates empathy. So when you learn more about yourself and how you see the world and how you move through the world, you can create a sense of um, acceptance for other people and understanding. You can help people along their own journey of, of life, really, because we have to believe that everyone is doing the best that they can. And once we can do that, we can support other people. We can show other people love because we're showing it to ourselves first. So the Enneagram, Ennea means nine. Gram means something that's written or drawn. And so there's nine points on this Enneagram um, symbol that's in a circle. And the numbers are connected in a very specific way. And each number, one through nine, has a specific um, strengths, weaknesses, characteristics that make up that type. And, you know, just in terms of assessments, everyone's heard of the MBTI, the Myers-Briggs, DISC. 
um, you know, the list goes on and on. Why the Enneagram as opposed to the other assessments? If you yeah, will. I have found the Enneagram was the one that helped me understand my motivations, not just describing my behavior or describing who I was or, or put me in a category or a box. This described the box I was in and where these things were coming from. And there's multiple layers. I wish I could just go on and on for hours, but this is a, a short podcast. But I hope um, your listeners will kind of read up a little bit more and dig deep. Uh, there's many facets, but I, I just found that it talks more about your motivation. So why you do think and feel the way you do. And um, it just goes deeper. And, it, and there's a spiritual aspect to it. It just creates um, an awareness of how you were created. Thanks, Erin. It's so fascinating. And the fact that it's been around for thousands of thousands mm-hmm. of years, and it has been found in different cultures in Latin America and Asia, et cetera. There is something so powerful about that, that each culture, society through time has really understood and harnessed the power of this Enneagram. So let's start. Let's start with the nine types. There are nine types, and we will go through the types and kind of explain them to you and then have a conversation about it. So type one, I call the perfectionist. Mm -hmm. Um, Each type tends to have this descriptor attached to it. And depending who you're following, it'll describe something else. Perfectionist can be one way you describe the type one. I've been liking the word improver. They are someone who can walk into a room or a situation and see the things that need to be improved. They want everything to be good, right? Um, Sometimes the perfectionist in them trips them up. And so that's why I like to use the word improver because perfectionism sometimes can um, lead you to a place of being stuck. And so not being labeled as a perfectionist can be a good thing sometimes. And all the ones that I work work with, I describe it as this is kind of the place where they're at a lot of the times, ready, aim, 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 aim. Aim, aim, <laughs> the list go, you know, right. the aims go on and on, you know, that they can get stuck. And Nelson Mandela happens to be a number one, a number Ooh. one on the Enneagram. So, right, because he was all about what is good and right and just this perfect world, right? But can we have that perfection in our lives? We got it. We just need to be careful that we don't get stuck in that always aiming. That's right. We're always aiming. And, you know, they always, they're the ones that are always seeking professional growth. They always are. I find them as my readers. They're always wanting to learn. Yeah, it's, it's great to learn and always wanting to learn, but when is it enough? When is it good enough? When is it enough information? 
Well, and, you know, going back to your thought about perfectionist, uh, you know, everybody has a different level of what they, uh, they feel is their level of perfection. Um, it depends on, are you observing yourself for this perfection or are you looking for outside influence of what perfection is? So perfection doesn't necessarily have to be um, viewed as, you know, a bad thing necessarily, because it's not, it's just how we view ourselves. Right. And what standard are you using? Exactly. I mean, what, what in this world is perfect? And that's where you need to learn how to accept the way things are and maybe find a way to improve them, but move on, be able to move on and say, this was good enough and feel really good about that. Whether it be yourself or your environment. So what else do we want to know about the ones um, to give our listeners some more information or do we yeah. want to go on to the twos? Um, I think the ones are the black and white thinkers and I would love to see them start to learn the different shades of gray because there's such a variety out there. And if we, the ones get stuck in the right and wrongness of everything, especially in this environment we're living in right now, um, you're going to, you're going to feel really stuck and just frustrated. So start to learn the different shades of gray. So let's go on to the two. Awesome. This is my, this is my jam right here. Ah. Uh, if anybody doesn't uh, know, I am a strong two. So okay. I'm interested to hear Aaron, what you have to say about the me's of the world. Of the me's of the world. I love it. So the type twos, they are sometimes labeled the helper, right? This is someone who needs to meet the needs of others. They're very caring and welcoming and affectionate and supportive. But again, these strengths and characteristics can sometimes get them into a place of being a people pleaser or some times people <laughs> she's looking around who me yeah I mean sometimes our really good qualities our strengths are what trip us up and we need to find a balance so we can be more integrated and just set up some boundaries and know your limits so when I first was learning about the Enneagram and found out I was a two when I read the description of what a two was um, almost word for word my comment was did they have cameras in my house and did they write this about me it was that spot on. Right. And that's, that's, again, another testament to the Enneagram. Sometimes you read those descriptions and you're like, I cannot believe how accurate this is. But then what do you do with that information? So Terry, can you share with us how knowing your type has helped you? Absolutely. Um, I think the biggest aha was um, I was going through as having some relationship troubles. And I often say, we all have a piece of the pie. And I didn't know how much of the pie I owned for this relationship and learning about that I do want to help everybody. And that I have that but there is a threshold for someone who is always the caregiver who's always wanting to do for people to that point where it gets to the point where you have no more to give 
and then you get frustrated and then it comes out in different ways. And just reading that one specific area made so much sense for a, about a three month section of my life. It just was a total light bulb moment Mm -hmm. and it allowed me to take more ownership of the piece Mm -hmm. of the pie or the whole pie Mm -hmm. that maybe I wasn't aware that I owned. Love it. I love it. Because once that light bulb goes on, you can't turn it off because you see it everywhere. Right. Um, And what you said about knowing your limits, you know, knowing when to say yes and when to say no and how to say no. Type twos tend to really struggle with saying no is a complete sentence. Right. So that is one um, area that I help twos work through is when is it okay to say no? And how do you go about doing that? Also, knowing what you need help with. You're always busy helping other people. Do you know when you need help and what you need help with? And sometimes that self-awareness isn't there and you don't even know where to start. Well, that's exactly it. I wasn't aware of that because I'm so used to, as a two, doing for others seamlessly. If I see something needs to be done, I just do it. And I had a really hard time understanding why people didn't reciprocate that to me. And why aren't you a mind reader? And, and now knowing all the nine types, just knowing that everybody does have something different to give. Absolutely. Terry is the kind of girl, or if you are, you know, moving, or if you're planning an event, invite someone like Terry along because she is very helpful and someone that is also two that you may have heard of princess Diana is a two and we can see those traits within princess Diana. So again, there are strengths and weaknesses to every single type and the next type we will move on to the three, the achiever. This, this is the person that was validated in childhood because he or she did things and they accomplished things. And this is how they validated themselves or felt loved through doing things. So let's go to the threes like Oprah. Oprah is a three, by the way. Right. She is that achiever. She reaches for the stars. There is no limit with her, right? She needs to succeed and perform. And she's very goal oriented. I'm also a three. And when you're talking, Julie, about, you know, needing to be validated in childhood, I needed to be the best in whatever I was doing, whether it was something good or bad. (laughs) I was the best bad girl and I was the best good girl. I also wanted um, lots of attention and to be seen as um, perfect or to be seen as Um, someone that people look up to. Uh, Threes are also really um, focused on efficiency. Whatever they are doing, they're going to find a shortcut or the easiest or the best route to do it. Um, My husband and I joke about this all the time. I'm like, why aren't you in the right lane when we have to turn right and he's driving in the left lane? And I'm like, just stay in the right lane. If you know you need to turn right, it's silly things like that. But sometimes I don't even realize that I'm thinking along the lines of efficiency. What's the, the faster, quicker way to do it. Um, 
So that's been an interesting thing in our relationship. So how can we relate with the threes, no matter what number we are? That's a really good question. Each number interacts with each other differently. But if you know these different numbers, if you know someone else's type, it's a lot easier. So if you have a three in your life, understand that they are focused on the future. They are working towards the next thing they're going to accomplish. They're performing. They are putting up um, forth an image that they want to portray, which sometimes leaves them in an inauthentic way. They tend to be workaholics. So encouraging them to slow down, there's lots of time, and to be real and authentic. I love that. I always call my threes, they're like the amoebas. They can go into Mm. any situation and be the person that is needed in that situation. So yeah, yeah. We like to think of them as chameleons. Chameleons. They will change according to who they're with or whatever situation, which can be a really great thing. But again, it leaves them in a place of inauthenticity of, well, who am I really? deep down inside, under all those masks, all those different colors of the chameleon that you're changing into, who is the true person underneath? All right, the threes. Oh, I'm sorry, Terry. No, I was just gonna say um, another eye-opening experience. I often say I am a chameleon for situations. So uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit later about um, you know, how you can be a mix of some of the numbers. So what's four, what do we have for the fours? I feel like the fours are the passionate, sensitive, emotionally driven type, type on the Enneagram. Correct me if I'm wrong. Absolutely. Um, you know what they're feeling. You don't have to guess. They're also very um, creative and visionaries. They bring so much flavor and life and creativity to the world, we would be really bored in black and white without the type fours. So as a visual, Johnny Depp is a four? Yes. He's so creative and out of the box, right? He, he can play any role, and, but you know what to expect from him. Are He's these- intense. Are fours, and I know that you're not a doctor, but do fours have that proclivity towards like anxiety or depression because they are so emotionally led? Fours I know do struggle with that because their emotions can be so extreme and they can be volatile. So yeah, that is is something to be aware of. And they have this sense of dissatisfaction. So that's kind of where that depression would come in. Like something's missing. And they take things personally sometimes and feel like they're um, not fitting in with the world. And that's where some anxiety can come in. That's definitely good to know about um, the four personality type, because that's one like the quiet, more artsy person is someone that I don't connect with as well. So it's really hard for me to, understand them. So maybe that's one of the numbers that I need to uh, look Mm -hmm. at more and understand them because it's not, 
it's not disconnect with the person, just disconnect with understanding how they operate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like you said before, Terry, we can be a mix of numbers. We have a core type, which is what we're talking about right now. And then there's numbers on either side of our number. Those are called wings. And then when you look at the Enneagram symbol, there's lines. There's two lines that come out of each number. Those are our lines of stress or stretch and release. And so actually the two and the four are connected. And so that's going to be a really good number for you to get in connection with because you have that in you and recognizing that will help you be more integrated and grow. I love that. So we got to find Terry a four, a friend that's a four. So um, fives, five on the Enneagram Mm -hmm. is so interesting. And I've had several clients that are fives and I, I can spot them immediately. It's the Albert Einstein, they're in their heads. And the thing that I feel like is the strong characteristic is that they felt like they're, they feel like they're misunderstood. They are misunderstood. They are, um, people I think are intimidated by them sometimes because they can be really intense and quiet. They're deep waters, right? Because they are constantly thinking and rolling thoughts around in their head. It doesn't always come out their mouth, but when it does, it is brilliant and it is wise. And so the fives are very calm on the outside, but underneath they can have some deep, deep, dark waters. They are the ones that are innovative. The ones that were coming up with, you know, in this pandemic, coming up with these amazing, unique solutions to problems that we've been having. They know everything there is to know about whatever their expertise is. So they're the people that you want to go to for information. Sometimes if they get too focused in that, they can become more of a taskmaster and disconnect their emotions from their life and disconnect from people. They sometimes struggle with interacting on an emotional, kind of very different than the four. They disconnect their emotions, they disconnect from people, but a lot of times it's because they need to get their thoughts straight. So when they do say something, they look knowledgeable. So what is the descriptor for a five? And I just, I'm going to let you answer that. Then I have a funny little story. Okay. Um, the descriptor is they're very objective and knowledgeable. They want to be seen as competent and wise. They're very calm in a crisis. They are disconnected from their emotions and sometimes from people because they don't want to look um, like they're they don't have that information. And the fives that I know are they give when they let you in and they unlock everything that's in their brain, that is their expression of love. And my girlfriend's a five, and this is this is just a five, if you will. So we took the kids trick-or-treating and she thought it was really great. She brought a sheep's brain 
and carried it in her purse. She's a scientist, if you will, professor. And she thought it was so funny. All the other moms like, what is she doing? But for her, it was fascinating. And we're going to teach the kids about the anatomy of the brain and, you know, maybe a little misunderstood, a little quirky, but very lovable. Mm, My husband's a five. And so I, I'm very familiar with fives um, and knowing his type has helped our relationship immensely. Kind of like what you were talking about, Terry, just this little information can just open your eyes and make things more clear and more positive. And there's a sense of freedom. There was a time where I was, I'm a three, so I like lots of attention. My husband's a five and he likes to check out. And there was just a time where I was just like, I'm feeling really hurt by this. I'm feeling abandoned almost. And we got in a heated discussion and he disappeared. I'm like, what in the world? And so I asked him about it. Now that I knew I was learning about the five, he's like, I just want to get my thoughts straight. So when I do say something to you, it's not hurtful. So he needed that time to process what he wanted to say. Once I knew that, I was like, oh, okay, I'll wait for you. So now that's not even an issue anymore. It like disappeared. Well, awesome. That's, that's good to know about the fives. So let's talk about the sixes. What is their descriptor? What do we want to know about them? Mm, descriptor of the, of the six is the loyalist. That's my favorite descriptor anyway. They are the problem solvers. They are the ones that you go to when you need support and um, someone on your side. They need to feel safe and secure and supported. And so they give that to other people as well. Um, Problem solvers as far as like anticipating all the worst case scenarios and working through it. That would be a really healthy thing for a six to do is saying, okay, well, it could go this way, this way, this way. But again, that's the same area that they get tripped up in. Worst case scenario, <gasps> what could happen? And then they don't act on what they need to, to make it happen. They don't trust their own decisions and they question everything and doubt themselves. But once they learn how to trust themselves and trust the process and play out the worst case scenarios in their head and realize, you know what, this is never ever going to happen like this anyway. That's where you come up with that courage to move forward. So they seem to be a little bit more quiet too, because they're a little bit in thought process a lot. Right. They are. They're um, definitely in their heads a lot. And, and this, one of my daughters is a six and she is very quiet, but she's my go-to girl. I go to her for an honest answer, an honest um, observation of, you know, whether it be I'm trying out an outfit or a decision I have to make. She's someone I trust. Well, awesome. It sounds like uh, we need to build our tribe of all nine types. Absolutely. We need, we need, uh, we need one so far. We know we need a, a one through a six. So what do our sevens have to offer? <laughs> well, I can tell you all about sevens girl. Okay. Yep. And I yep. am so excited about it because I love being a seven. <laughs> sevens are amazing, right? Okay. I was playing that up a little bit, but 
I am a seven. Sevens don't run out of energy, I don't think. Do they, Julie? Do they run out of energy? I've known a seven that ran out of energy. She crashed hard. It's probably the crash, you know, moving upwards and then crashing. But we're very optimistic. We always want more, 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 more. Do, do, do. I like to consider myself the visionary. And then I need a three to be like the executor, my right-hand person, you know, Mm -hmm. or bringing me back down, bringing me back down. And then I need two to help me. Exactly. And exactly, Terry, you nailed it as far as if you're building a team, one of each would be ideal, right? So the sevens are some of my favorite people. I mean, talk about life and excitement and inspiration. Um, and when I talked about the crash, it's because they, they go up so high in their adventure seeking and their risk taking that sometimes they fall. Oh. But you know what? They don't stay there very long because they do not like those negative, um, stressful situations. So they avoid those like the plague. But guess what? Sometimes we have to go there. Remembering that those feelings don't last. It's temporary. It's not always going to be negative or bad when you're there. And knowing that will help you um, not avoid it, but to accept it and move on from there. And that's spot on as a seven. I mean, the human brain tries to avoid the feeling of pain daily, but sevens try to avoid pain at all costs. And that's the work I've been kind of doing in terms of embracing the the shadow side and walking through those feelings instead of just moving on and leave, letting it go, walking on by. So absolutely. You know, we, we like to buffer pain. Mm-hmm. at all costs. So. Right. I mean, and pain tells us something. Pain informs us that something's not right. And so when you can identify what that is, and you can, again, I'm talking about the, the numbers that are connected to you, you can figure out the seven, you've got a lot of five in you, right? Getting that knowledge and information to solve the problem. That is something that would be a healthy thing for a seven to do. Instead of avoiding it, get your information, do the problem solving and learn and move on from it. Well, I will say that I have been very blessed to have had Julie in my life as a seven um, in the past few years. And I will tell you, she is such a blessing. And we have so many, this obsessed podcast is one of her enthusiasm, enthusiastic projects that she just went with and it has turned into such an amazing thing. Um, So I'm really excited to be a guest on here today. So Mm -hmm. thank you, Julie. Absolutely. I I would say I agree too. Um, People are not going to be bored listening to your podcast because boredom is not your thing, right? You you like to keep everything exciting. You nailed it on the head. (laughs) Nailed it on the head. And what's the next project? And being present is something also that I work on Mm because I know I can get caught up in the what's next, what's next, what's next, let's do it. But I don't have that filter, you know, that gate that holds me back like a lot of people do. So it it makes a good coach, you know, so to speak. And the next one, an eight. So an eight, I like to call the commander. 
And Mm. I am surrounded by eights in my family. I am, for some reason, all my college friends are eights, very strong personalities, very much the truth seekers. The I see them as black, very black and white, sometimes stubborn, but they get stuff done. Mm-hmm. Um, the commander, I like to call him the challenger because we can challenge things. We can challenge authority in positive and negative ways. The eights are strong. They're the powerhouse kind of energy, right? Lots of courage, lots of stamina, take charge mentality. They are blazing the trail, but sometimes what happens with the blaze, it gets out of control, right? I like to describe eights as having a soft marshmallowy heart with barbed wire wrapped around it. They have a tender place in their heart for justice and doing what is right. They're going to be the ones leading the, you know, social justice campaigns or whatever. But that barbed wire protects the vulnerability because that's the last thing I want to do is look weak and vulnerable. And I remember reading somewhere that eights in terms of relationships, especially romantic relationships, they need someone equal. They cannot tolerate someone that is maybe not as driven, so to speak. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of my clients who are eights and who their partner is. And um, yeah, the eights are are attracted to the more aggressive type, um, like the threes, the ones. I have a couple um, couples that are eight and one combination. And if they can find a place to meet, like they both share the number nine, Peacemaker, which is the next number, um, they will have a great relationship. But Sometimes that challenger, they like to fight. They like to argue because it creates a sense of intimacy. And if you understand that, you can have a really good intimate fight. So I know you said earlier, um, the two and the four, and I do know that my other line for our two is an eight. Um, And I, I love the description you've got. So how does a two relate with an eight? So a two goes to the number eight when you're stressed. So you might want to be more in control of a situation. Or <laughs> I'm looking at your face, you're like, oh, yeah. Um, you, you tend to overreact maybe because, no, not at all, right? You express your anger very directly. You don't beat around the bush. To release that stress, you would go to your four and look deep inside yourself, right? And and get really introspective, following your dreams and aspirations and getting to know yourself and how you're unique um, and doing something creative will help relieve that stress after going to the eight. Well, Donald Trump is an eight, ladies and gentlemen, just if you need a, if you need that visual right now, yeah, I would, it's bad or good, 
but right but i would he he would be like the poster child for an eight wouldn't he he's about justice and doing what he believes is right and and um fair the way he goes about it is very aggressive and direct again not good or bad this is just what it looks like absolutely well, I love what you said. Um, I, as much as I'm obsessed with the Enneagram, um, I love how you talked about the wings a little bit and the direct lines because you couldn't have, you really couldn't have nailed it anymore in the stress situation and how I handle those. And my retreat on the creativity side is I love to cook and bake. So, and my happy place is my kitchen with the music rocking and rolling mm. and baking or cooking. And that is my retreat. So someone that, you know, definitely needs some space. So um, I, my, my favorite, I feel like I connect with is our number nine. So let's talk about the number nine. And our co-host Tia Morell, who is not here today is mm. the number nine. And yes, I've gotten to know intimately. Some of the most amazing people are nines because they are non-judgmental. My mother is a nine and Ooh, the safe place to go when you are in, in need or trouble. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nine is usually labeled the peacemaker. Someone who, like you said, is non-judgmental. They bring people together. They avoid conflict. They like to preserve connection and inner peace. They're about relationship. And so the two and the nine, I think, are the most um focused on relationship and people, right? Sometimes though, they can be too focused on peace and avoiding conflict. Some, we, how, do we, how do we live without conflict? And a lot of times working through that conflict creates a strength in your relationship, in your work environment. We have to go through that conflict in order to learn and correct what needs to be corrected. But if you're avoiding it, you find yourself stuck and not doing anything. And then you get a little passive aggressive because there, there, there's some anger there, but it comes at you sideways. It's not quite direct like the nine. Um, so the nine does need to work on taking action. And sometimes that means working through conflict. And I see how the Enneagram could kind of open up a space for those who are not, you know, of the highest character to manipulate. So for the nine, you know, we know we, they don't like conflict, so we can move them in a place, oh, this may happen if you don't do this, you know, so I can see how it can be used as a tool to manipulate if used mm. poorly, mm -hmm. but I like to think that there's good in all of us and oh, yeah. we don't do that, but understanding that Terry's a two, a helper, Erin is a three, she's the achiever. I'm a seven. I'm the optimist, you know, just now I understand fully how to have a conversation with Erin or how to have a conversation mm -hmm. With Terry, what makes you tick? That's what I feel makes the Enneagram so powerful. Absolutely. And um, when people ask me about the Enneagram and coaching, I 
cannot imagine coaching a client not knowing their Enneagram number because I want them to have this tool to do that self-awareness work. And I want them to feel seen, heard, known by me as their coach. And I like, for example, with Terry, I wouldn't be like, hey, Terry, what's the exciting thing you did this weekend? I might ask Julie that, but I'm going to ask you a similar question just in a different way. So it's learning the language of each type and seeing the world through each type's lens. Yeah, it is true because you can ask one person a question and it resonate very well with them and ask it to another person and it not. And that makes total sense. So that's awesome. Thank you so much. You had a great descriptive of, of all of them and working on how to connect with them and, and working with each of the, um, the different types. I mean, I love hearing other people explain the Enneagram because I always learn something new. Erin Slutsky is just a master coach and she will explain to you why you do the things you do and how you react and relate to other people through the Enneagram. So I am putting everything in the show notes and we will put some of our favorite Enneagram tests in the show notes so you can take the test. We want to know what type you are and what you think of the Enneagram. This has been an amazing experience. We need to have Aaron back on. Aaron, thank you so much and get obsessed with your life. Thank you, Aaron. Thanks for having me, Julie and Terry. Um, I want to let your listeners know that if they mention this podcast, I'm going to sit with them and help them determine their type. So please reach out. I'm happy to do that for your audience. And um, if they want to learn more about coaching with the Enneagram, I have actually couples coaching launching in October. And so we are going to be taking the Enneagram type journals that you can find on Amazon and using those in couples coaching to get to know yourself better and your partner. That is pretty amazing. Um, I mean, I think we need to do an episode on couples and the Enneagram as well, because it's fascinating, number one. And Erin has Enneagram journals. She's just fabulous. So everything will be in the show notes. We're, we are obsessed with Erin and get obsessed with her. Don't forget to leave five stars. Tap on those five stars so we can keep delivering content like this to you and bringing experts like Erin Slutsky straight to your earbuds. So thanks, everybody. And slay your day.